Hey! Mistress, don't walk about. It wasn't me. I spoke, mistress. What? I am K9 Mark III. K9 Mark III? Affirmative. K9. <laughs> Brendan, stop honking. <laughs> Where... Please. Where are you from, K9? From the doctor. From the doctor? Affirmative. Oh, you can't mean the doctor. My precise meaning, mistress, a gift to you. Oh, doctor, you didn't forget. Who is the doctor? Affirmative. He's, sir. Uh, oh, he's, he's a very, very great friend of mine. Oh, how is he, K9? I, I may call you K9. It is my designation, mistress. Oh, how is he? No available data. What is the Earth year? 1981, December 18th. The doctor last spoke in 1978 Earth years. He said, give Sarah Jane Smith my fondest love. Tell her I shall remember her always. Thank you, K9. Merry Christmas, everyone. I feel like uh, this is... This is just words. I feel like I should have like a popper or something. But Merry Christmas. Hope you're all well. Oh, what? You know, one of those like the, the popper thing. Oh, my God. One a, those... a party popper. Yeah, party popper. Oh, jeez, Rob. That never crossed now my mind. Now it's a party. <laughs> Not those type of poppers. But yeah, oh, God, we're really low at the tone. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, party popper. Merry Christmas to Merry... you. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Cloister Bell podcast, keeping Christmas filthy, talking about poppers. Oh, jeez. Completely ruined it. <laughs> Just go with it. Uh, yeah. It's too late now. Oh, it's too late now, yeah. Because uh, yeah, the, the podcast's live and we can't edit it. <laughs> and anyway... Uh, <laughs> Uh, regardless of whether you're celebrating Christmas or not, doing whatever you're doing, I hope you're all well and uh, and having a good day. Um, especially you, yeah, Rob. Uh, How's well, it going? Uh, good, yeah. Th- thanks for celebrating Christmas with me this morning. Oh, not at all. What are friends for? Yeah. <laughs> um. So. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what? What are we doing? <laughs> Christmas morning. But uh, doing nothing, it's time to talk about Doctor Who. Yeah. Obviously... Um, yeah, we'll get this out of the way, because I think I've got a bit of a busy day. I've got the family coming round. Uh-huh. I need to start cooking dinner. Uh, what, what? Are you having Christmas dinner today? Oh, yeah. Turkey and all the trimmings. There's always been sort of like attempts of going, oh, Liam, you know, I'm wondering, maybe we shouldn't have like a full Christmas. No, we're having it. What's the yeah. point of Christmas without Christmas? without Christmas lunch. <laughs> you need the turkey, you need the parsnips, you need the da 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 yeah. And we need to like to have a ridiculous amount of food and then just lie in a coma all day and, I don't know, watching a Doctor Who Christmas special or something. Yeah, got it. I always get so much food. It's disappointing when I can't eat more. <laughs> and then it's just like, time for Christmas pudding. It's like, oh, I couldn't eat another thing. Time for How Christmas pudding. How many puddings is there? It's like, let's get the Christmas pudding out. Let's get the mince pies out. <laughs> oh, it's, you know, for, for, for a thing... Then the cheese boards. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, for, for a Christian celebration, it is a day of absolute gluttony. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, all good. So, uh, obviously, this being Christmas, we thought, well, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without a Doctor Who-themed podcast. So what, we could, what could we possibly discuss? Uh, well, a Christmas special, and we've what? discussed uh, the very first Christmas special that uh, Doctor Who ever did, which was way back during the William Hartnell era, which was, I think, it was episode six of the Daleks Master Plan, which is just this absolute bizarre thing, which has to be well, we can no longer see it has to be heard to be believed, which has one of my all time. <laughs> all-time favorite lines which is this is a madhouse it's all full of arabs um which it makes sense within the context of the episode but it, yeah anyway so uh no we're not looking at that we're looking at arguably because that was sort of like a slap bang in the middle of this epic adventure a very first dedicated christmas special which is the first attempt that doctor who ever had of of doing a spin-off uh canine and company does this um, come after the attempts for a Dalek TV spin-off. Oh, way, way after. Um, way after, yeah. Because I think Terry talk- Terry Nation had uh, was had attempted to do that back in the sixties. Um, the idea was he went over to America and he was going to have an American tele- television production. I think it was to to make them, but it never mm. it never took off. And I don't think anyone had any serious expectations that that it ever would. But that's the reason why. 
that no Daleks appear in Doctor Who following Evil of the Daleks until they come mm. back in, in Day of the Daleks um, uh, because of that. Um, but this was... This surprisingly came very close to creating a full-on spin-off series. Um, this was the brainchild of John Nathan Turner, who had written K-9 out of the main uh, series, but had recognised that it was still a very popular character and could be brought back in its own right along with Sarah Jane Smith. And in a lot of ways, I think uh, John Nathan Turner was you know, years ahead of his time in a lot of ways, but at this, but anyway we can discuss that later on um mm. so just in terms of the the, the plot uh, which i've nicked from the uh, the back of the vhs cover uh, this was released on vhs back in august 1995 so that would have been around about when i first watched this so for many years investigative journalist sarah jane smith traveled through space and time with her best friend a carefree and somewhat irresponsible time lord known as the doctor but all good things must come to an end and they were forced apart Sarah returned to Earth and her career, but before they went their separate ways, she made the Doctor promise not to forget her. Six days before Christmas, Sarah arrives in the sleepy village of Morton Harwood to visit her Aunt Lavinia and write her latest book. But something is rotten in the county of Gloucestershire. Lavinia has gone missing, seemingly the victim of a local coven. Worshippers of the pagan goddess Hecate gather in a local churchyard, promising death to unbelievers. True to her nature, Sarah is drawn into the mystery but is confronted by a wall of silence from the villagers. However, Sarah soon finds help from an entirely unexpected source, for the Doctor has sent her a present, a robot dog that answers to the name K-9. The cast and crew, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Sladen plays Sarah Jane Smith, John Leeson did the, uh, provided the voice of K-9, Colin Jeevans plays, uh, played George Tracy, Bill Fraser, Bill Pollock, Nigel Gregory played Vince Wilson, Son. Sean Chapman played Peter Tracy, Mary Wimbush played Aunt Lavinia, Ian Sears played Brendan Richards, Linda Pollan plays Juno Baker, Neville Barber, Howard Baker, John Gwambi plays Henry Tobias, Gillian Martell played Lily Gregson, and Stephen Oxley played PC Carter. It was directed by John Black, written by Terence Dudley. The script editors were Eric Saywood and Anthony Root. It was produced by John Nathan Turner and the music was provided by Peter Howell. Um, Rob, when did you first became aware of uh, K9 and Company? I was aware it was a thing and I'd seen nothing of it. So I think my first glimpse of glimpses of it, I feel like it might have been from an early episode of Confidential. Oh, okay. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that might have been it. Maybe 2005, 2006. Mm, okay. So I thought, this looks cheesy as hell. Because <laughs> it was just bits of the title sequence. <laughs> and I was, like, morbidly fascinated with what the hell this was actually going to be like. Mm. So I didn't see it till like, the DVD was a thing. Um, and the way it explained the story, that's fascinating. Yet the title suggests it's about K-9 and his mates. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's very much a Sarah Jane story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bit of a, a, an odd one. I remember the very first uh, Peter Davison Doctor Who story I ever watched was The Five Doctors, and um, I had absolutely no idea about Canine and Company at all at that point. So I just accepted it. But I remember being a little bit puzzled about why Sarah were Canine. That see, I, I just, I just thought it was a bit shoehorned in. Sarah was mm. never with K9, bit weird. But of course, continuity-wise, at this point, when the Five Doctors had been broadcast, K9 Company had been broadcast a couple of years uh, earlier. I only became aware of it one day when uh, when I saw it released on VHS. So, like, what, what is what, what is this? It it had the Doctor Who Diamond logo on, and it had K9 and Sarah Jane Smith. But it's just like, what? I had absolutely no idea There's, there'd been this attempt of doing a, a spin-off, but but here we are. Um, so that was, I was just so, just going, what the hell is this? So I, I needed to watch it. And um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a funny one. Uh, not least of That all, opening titles is terrible. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to go on about that, Rob. So what do you think? It's not only the title sequence, but the theme tune. So Rob, take it away. What do you think? I thought I had to sing it there. <laughs> Take it away. Um, okay, so it it has this theme ch- theme song. 
Um, <laughs> it's a bit electronic, um, and it's got John Leeson singing Canine. <laughs> thing about it is it's so long and it just repeats these sequences yeah <laughs> of, of Sarah Jane looking around having wine in a bus stop or something <laughs> and <laughs> and then canine on a wall oh yeah it's absolutely bonkers it's it's too long had they cut it down a bit they wouldn't have needed to recycle all these shots of Sarah Jane spinning around and looking um, drinking wine. She must have been mall at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another sip. Yeah. Um, have you ever watched this while listening to the the commentary? No. It, no. It, it's not something I would recommend. So it's Sarah Jane Smith, uh, sorry, uh, Elizabeth Sladen, um, Eric Saywood, and oh, uh, the actress who plays Juno Baker and uh, John Leeson, and there may be someone else. And it's just it's just a group of people just dumping on the story. It's like one of the most negative right. commentaries I've ever heard. They're not, they're not keen on it. But when it when it comes to the the title sequence, that moment where Elizabeth Sladen is is sort of like doing that that jog, she said she found that very difficult because she said like how how because she'd been told to to run slowly. It's just like how can you oh, right. run like slowly and then just having to like really slow that down it's <laughs> so she she remembered doing the, the the things for the title sequence but found it like a very odd thing and it is it's a very odd thing because i think what they were wanting to do was go right this is this is a spin off of doctor who but it's its own thing it's going to be modern and it's going to be exciting and I think this was around about the time when American television was, re, you know, starting to get heavily syndicated in Brit, uh, in Britain in a way that it hadn't done before. I mean, this is the time I think you know Dallas was was up on the rise and so on. And you know, when you have these American uh, shows, that, I mean, they still do it now, but certainly back then, you know, when they had all these episodes, they would have this sort of like these montage clips. Mm. Um, of you know the exciting adventures that you will see later on the series and i think that's what they were trying to do but of course this is the pilot they haven't got any of this you know all these other they didn't even use the episode footage no there's none of that so it's just like right we, we we will show these remarkably exciting modern things of a woman standing next to a car a woman slowly <laughs> jogging in <laughs> as you said, Elizabeth Sladen getting slightly sloshed by a glass of wine with a typewriter in a bus stop or whatever the bloody hell that is. It is just the... I think they were trying to be American and modern, but it's just the oddest thing ever. And it's it's accompanied mm. by... There are aspects of the, the title sequence that I do like. I, I do like the thing how it starts. You know when you've got sort of like the, the animated thing and then it cuts into... You've got a bit of animation and yeah. then it cuts into what K9, you know, the actual model came you know what we, we we got a little bit of something similar than that in bob baker's canine spin-off that similar kind of style where we had it was more more perhaps of a 3d wireframe mm. but uh yeah the kind of the the assembly of um canine's blueprints kind of thing and then yeah. it comes in, in, in the form yeah <clears throat> yeah so i like all that but the rest of it is just like really naff it's very cheesy but it's in retrospect i wouldn't change a thing no but yeah <laughs> because despite all that for its faults and just how that they actually made that yeah yeah it's i, I can't help but love it <laughs> it's just 
oh it's just a delight yeah it's just like oh never ever change that just just keep it as it is um but it's it's interesting that they they actually went to make this spin-off um and just sort of like keeping it in context so this is uh, this is broadcast uh, originally on the 28th of december 1981 um tom baker has has left uh the series look up you know he, he's regenerated into peter davison uh, Peter Davison's first series is effectively just around the corner, and um, Elizabeth Slayton had left the series about I think five years earlier with a hand of fear, um, and so like five years later after her departure, we 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 get this. Um, now, obviously, since then, I mean, Doctor Who's come back in two thousand five, and it had a couple of spin-offs, and um, uh, one of them was Torchwood. And the other was the Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, and the Sarah Jane Adventures were tremendously successful and still much beloved. Uh, and I know, Rob, uh, you, I mean, I've only seen a handful of episodes, but you've seen, uh, I think you've seen pretty much all of the Sarah Jane Adventures. Is that right? Yeah, I've seen it all a few times over, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because my kid, well, my, my oldest daughter, when she was younger, it's one of those things she would just binge, mm-hmm. um, like we do when we're kids. And... Um, there's, there's maybe a, maybe a lot bad and a lot good in there, and I think there's some, some of them are are, are fairly decent stories with a good point to make, mm-hmm. and this, 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 something you were saying earlier about Terry Nation taking the Daleks out so the BBC couldn't use them. A similar thing happened with Sarah Jane, where Bob Baker was planning this canine spin-off, and the Sarah Jane Adventures had intended to feature K-9 prominently, but they then didn't have the rights to, probably. Um, so th- there's a bit of a similarity there. Um, but had he been there, maybe we, we would have got something a bit similar to K-9 and company. Who knows? Yeah, it's, yeah that, that is a bit of a shame. But it's, it's, it's a bit of a funny one, because I think uh, John Nathan Turner... I think a lot of his sensibilities with what he was wanting to do with the show, with the publicity of it and with, with certain ideas that he had, I think, you know, wouldn't be amiss with what Doctor Who does now. But television was produced uh, in a completely different way as it is now. And the the style of television and how it was made was, was completely different. So I think... Um, uh, I mean, the original idea that, that, you know, this was a, a pilot for a possible series of, of six or seven episodes. And the idea was that they would be made made to October 82. So the year after this was, was broadcast. I mean, and it, it, it nearly succeeded because K9 and Company, when it was originally broadcast, had about um, just over eight million people. And mm. so it was just like, right, OK, this is immensely popular. It's got really healthy viewing figures. Let's go for a series. But then what ended up happening was there was a change of uh, BBC management. And that change, sort of, they weren't keen on the idea. And then it was just dropped. But if, if that change of the management hadn't happened, we would have gone on to a, a full series. Uh, I appreciate that we're not actually talking about the, the story yet. We will get on to that. But one of the things is about this is that, you know, when you're watching this as a pilot... It's kind of like, well, what would they do with a with a full series? Yeah, would they have a kind of traipsing around the country looking for would it be mysteries? Or maybe a bit of a mix up of alien incursions or general human drama? I don't know because I don't know if the first episode was trying to define the genre mm. it was it was trying to be part of. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of a mystery. I don't know if you know anything about that, about the development of the show, how it was going to progress. And no, that the, the, sadly, it's like nothing. And I, I'm not sure that there is actually any material about you know the possibilities of of what they would do. I mean, it's a it's an interesting um, atmospheric story. And this was broadcast during the Christmas period. I mean, it was broadcast on the 20th of December, but it was still like the Christmas season on the BBC, and it's clearly set. I mean, the story is set a few days before Christmas and then we end on Christmas Day in the story. Um, and nothing says Christmas, of course, like black magic. Um, so after we've had that bizarre title sequence, we, we, we see ourselves in a midnight coven and it's, it, it's clearly sort of like witches or devil worshippers or what have you. 
and um it's it you know it's it's atmospheric it's like oh okay this is this is all a bit creepy i think um this is very much of the period because i, I don't think you would get a, a story attempting anything like this now like if you would have like i can't see like the sarah jane adventures would have done anything like this or um or if you were to get another like ch- children's spin-off of doctor who i don't think they would do anything like this i mean this is quite this is quite dark it's very much of the period i mean this is a lot of children's shows, funnily enough, around about this time, dealt with like you know, were very atmospheric or de- dealt with existential crises. I mean, in the late seventies, uh, certain of our listeners, I think, will probably remember. I think it was called Children of the Stones. Um, which, if anyone has the opportunity to watch, do watch it. It's quite good. It's got Gareth Thomas in it, pre Blake Seven by a couple of years. Mm-hmm. It is, it is really good. But it's, 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 uh, it is a very creepy, atmospheric story of gareth roberts and i think it's his uh his teenage son and going into this area and it's sort of like science fiction fantasy black magic this thing about the stones and people disappearing and stuff you know you wouldn't get that now but this was very you know but you did then it was very much of the period um it's but this does seem like something like something torchwood would do mm. like countryside yeah a more human drama that um, perhaps has depth to it that you you presume is there, the supernatural or aliens, but it's just not there. Yeah. Um, so, um, what did it, so what's established is that Aunt uh, Lavinia, uh, that that is the aunt to uh, Sarah Jane Smith, has has moved into uh, this area of Gloucestershire two years prior to the events of the story. And she's the scientist, and this harks back to the Time Warriors. Um, But she's the scientist, and she found evidence of witchcraft uh, taking place in the area, and then publicised the fact. And... um, the, and then she disappears mysteriously and it's sort of hinted at that that, that this disappearance is something to do with the witches that she, that she was reporting on because she's made this known they're not very keen on this and this is how the story begins you know we, we see them doing um some sort of ritual and then they burn a photograph of her and it's all sort of um it, it does make you think of like things like the omen and um I think it's called mm. The Devil Rides Out. You know, these sort of like hammer horror films and uh, and what have you. Um, so the, a lot of the story is, is really, you know, Sarah Jane Smith uh, arrives on the scene. Uh, we're introduced to, to this character, Brendan. And had the series gone on, you know, obviously you would have had Sarah Jane Smith, K-9, Brendan. They would have been the main characters. I think you would have had uh, Juno Baker uh, being a main character, a recurring character mm. as well. Um what do you think about that as a as a as a setup? Um, I think that would have worked quite well. The um, what's his name? The lad, uh, Brendan. Yeah, I think he um, he was quite different to Sarah Jane. He was he was young and curious, but he had a knowledge mm-hmm. um, of scientific theories and things. And I think that that was a good dynamic for someone to, um, to interact with K nine with. Um, so I think that would have worked well. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that actually setup is is really really good. So you've got um, you know you've got the main character of Sarah Jane Smith. You know she's a journalist. She's strong. She's intelligent. Um, you know she's clued up. So she's like the the the, the, um, the action hero of the series, if you like. You've got this you know canine who can who can help um, with whatever situation. You got Brendan who's sort of uh, in between these. He's very much his own character, but he's. He's the one who can obviously relate uh, scientific and techni- technical knowledge between uh, K9 and Sarah. And mm. I think that's handled really well. I mean, Ian Sears, who plays the part of Brendan, I mean, he was very young. I don't know how old he was. 16, maybe? 18, maybe 16? Anyway, between that age. And I think he plays the part really well. Um, yeah. I think one thing this story doesn't do with establishing this family of characters is perhaps not building a relationship between Sarah Jane and K9 much because uh, maybe maybe had the show progressed it would have done that mm. but by the time we have the five doctors and then school reunion we know that you know he's her dog and they've got this um this connection mm-hmm. you know 
he is a girl's best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As the, as the title suggests, mm-hmm. but um, they just kind of thrown together in this story, and Brendan's the one who's more curious, and Sarah Jane just kind of accepts what he is and kind of gets on with the story. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's any um relationship building between the two in this. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, obviously that there are scenes between them, but I I do feel you know when I think about it, it, it it's more sort of I think. Brendan had a much stronger relationship with K9 than perhaps Sarah did. Yeah, that's true, actually. Do you remember how you kind of um, felt about this story initially, especially like the start of the story? Did you think maybe there was something supernatural going on or, of course, it's aliens or is this a murder <laughs> mystery? Do you, do, you, do you have a hint of where it was going? Because I, I thought oh, that the aunt must have been killed and this is a bit of a murder mystery. Yeah, there is a yeah, there, there is an aspect of that. I mean, uh, I don't think we're giving anything away. I mean, you've had plenty of time to to, to watch this, uh, listeners. But yeah, it, it's actually revealed that actually that there wasn't anything nefarious going on. Um, Aunt Lavinia, uh, well, th- th- there is something nefarious that does crop up, which we'll come to. But in terms of Aunt Lavinia, um, she she was just going on a book signing tour in America, and that's yeah. and that's the reason why Sarah was unable to get in contact with her aunt. Um, because you know she was traveling and that was it um yeah. so a, a straight one thing i did love about this story though was how well the story tried to throw us off um and deceive us a little bit with who who's who's up to what unless mm. you're very familiar with the common tropes of the murder mystery <laughs> kind of concept and you can kind of double back on that and make make the correct assumptions but um i think uh, it did quite well doing that. I think so, actually, yeah. I mean, I think the... I mean, Linda Pollan, who plays Juno Baker, I mean, oh, she. I think she's one of the best characters in this. Um, I think she's an absolutely great character. And Linda Pollan pitches it just right, where you can kind of see that, you know, she could be friendly to Sarah, but there is that thing of going, ooh, she, but she's maybe she is involved in the uh, uh, with the, the witch's coven and the i'm sorry rob probably bringing it back into the you know lowering the tone like we did at the very beginning of the podcast but um there is she gives she does give very strong swinger vibes do you not think uh, yeah yeah now that you mention it <laughs> she yeah lots of swinging parties around her place but uh, she's not involved she got the poppers around hers <laughs> but um but she's not involved in the Witch's Coven, and that's the main thing. But there is that thing. Whereas you've got this character, Lily, Greg, uh, Lily Gregson, um, talking in a you know, sort of like, oh, I'm a farmer type accent. And uh, she runs the um, she, she runs the local post office. Mm. Yeah. And uh, although, she, you know, she does have some interesting, interesting lines about. Um, but that doesn't stop people believing in it country people and she's talking about black magic she's like well all country mm. people believe in black magic do they they all sound like a bunch of nutters um and there's just some like but it's not it's not massively flagged but at the same time it's sort of like little touches are there the fact that um later on uh sarah bumps into her and she's got bags full of holly and there's that thing of going well it's christmas it could you know she could be you know it could be christmas themed mm. or is it holly because it you know it's it's used with witchcraft which obviously is a thing but you mm. know so these little touches so yeah i think i think it has i think it is handled quite well but as you say rob if if you're familiar with these sort of tropes you know that you're supposed to be wrong-footed so yeah um but actually when it's revealed at the very end like who's involved in the um <clears throat> Who was involved in the coven? We know that because we had a very, a very Scooby Doo ending, didn't we? <laughs> the unmasking. Yeah, we did, but there's always something that's, that's puzzled me. We know that. Um... Oh, I'm trying to remember the character's name. Henry Tobias. We know yes. that he's involved because we actually see him at the very beginning of the episode. Uh... Are you finding plot holes in this? Possibly. <laughs> no, no, no. This isn't a plot hole. Um, so we know Henry Tobias is one. We know that the main one, because she has uh, the mask taken off, and it's Lily Gregson. And then she takes the mask off somebody else. I've Is that supposed to... You know, the, the, the man, the very one that... The last one that she yeah. unmasks. Is that Bill Pollock? 
I don't know. Bill Fraser's character. I think I it know. is, but I don't I think it. I don't think it's very clear. I've always been a bit confused by that. It's, it's even that Tobias dude. It's like it was so quick. It was in. It, it was the dead of night. Mm-hmm. It was unmasked. Unmasked very quickly. Yeah. And the viewers have have a moment to realize what's going on, and then just kind of moves on with the story. Yeah, it does. Like, so, so there's a couple of moments like that where at the very end, I, I, it does leave me scratching my head. I don't think it's a problem with the script. I just think it's it's those moments where, like, um, I appreciate it's happening at night, but you've got all these flaming torches. You, the, maybe it could have been lit a little bit better and just linger on the shots a little bit longer. So you know, yeah, or add some dialogue where she names everyone. Yes, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that hel- uh, that helps where, you know, she, because uh, Sarah gets, uh, you know, uh, physical at the end where she's like karate chopping people and kicking them in the stomach and then going, stick that in your, uh, uh, oh, what did she say? It's some journalistic pun, but it's like stick that in your, uh, stick that in your leading line, Henry Tobias. So, oh, Henry Tobias, the journalistic guy that she was talking to before. So, yes, she mentions his name and yeah. So the, the, that leaves me sort of like scratching my, my head a little bit. I mean, what's mm. funny is um, when this was being, uh, pro- when the planning was being, when the show was being produced, the planning of it, the BBC hierarchy actually had concerns about the story depicting witchcraft and they wanted to really downplay this. Um, especially because you know it took place in the modern era and they thought, well, witchcraft doesn't really happen in the modern era. Terence Dudley, who wrote the script, actually argued that not only was witchcraft real, but that there were witches on the BBC payroll. So that was his argument, and it was just like okay. And as we know, maybe the ones that they were the ones trying to shut it down. Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> there's been lots of dodgy practices of the BBC, as we know. And I, you know, what it's just like, yeah, I completely believe that. I dare say that there were witches on the <laughs> payroll then, and it's the same now. Um, so yeah, maybe this was Terence Dudley trying to like warn us, yeah. but. Um, in a, in a general um, culture point of view, like, was this actually going on? <laughs> I don't like. Is this is this um, inspired by something in particular, or, or or was there similar kind of ritualistic practices going on? Well, I think there were ritualistic practices the, going on, but I'm not sure. I don't think there was maybe anything like in the news at the time. Stuff. Sorry. Just, just general harmless stuff, not necessarily sacrifices. Oh no, I just say there was probably like a lot of <laughs> that dodgy stuff going on. I mean, that's the thing as well. So um, th- there is a sort of like a little bit of um, the Wicker Man to this story. Yeah, because because if if anyone's familiar with uh, with the Wicker Man, uh, which is a really great early seventies British horror film. That is a story about uh, this policeman who's on the who who's from mainland Scotland going off to uh, what's the, the Isle of Sully Man I think it's called something like that anyway goes off to the an island off the coast of Scotland uh, to investigate the disappearance of a girl and then finds out that there is uh, pagan practices going on including human sacrifice for the purposes of uh, improving. Um, uh, improving, uh, oh, what you call it, Rob? Growing vegetables. Oh, right, okay. Um, um, improved farming, well, basically. Like fertilizer. No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> no there's uh, there's a certain. Um, oh, my mind's gone completely blank. Oh, sorry. I thought, yeah, they're not they're not using people for fertilizer. It it was yeah. I know what. You yeah, get. yeah. I know what you get. There's a certain like a couple of for some reason the words aren't coming, but I think you get the gist of it. And this is the this is the 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 plot in in this story. You, you've got the, the the county of you know uh, Morton Harwood. There's all there's this this business of um, uh, growing crops and what have you, and the, and the crops aren't doing particularly well. So you've got all these pagan worshippers going on um, to, to 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 try and help with all this. Um, in fact, this was kind of um, this matter was approached early on in the story when Brendan spoke to Tobias, and he was approaching it with a more scientific point of view. Yes, and Tobias was quite dismissive of that. Uh, not Tobias, uh, Bill Pollock. Oh, Bill Pollock. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's fine because yeah. it can be very confusing <laughs> with the names. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's got to be Bill Pollock who gets revealed at the end because that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Was w- he the one on the floor? Yes. 
Yeah, yeah, that'll be him. Yeah, because it's explained that uh, he ends up, he's disappeared for a couple of days and that's because, you know, the heat was getting to him and he's involved. That does make sense. Yeah. Um, and he's talking about, you know, it's, it's all about um, instinct and in, not everything's in books and, you know, he's coming out with all this. So, yeah. Whereas... Um, Brendan through K9 is like coming from a scientific a- aspect of soil analysis and, and things like that. Mm. So there is that. Did you at some point think um, the flask of tea might be important? <clears throat> but it just wasn't. No, it, it never crossed my mind. But I know <laughs> what you mean. Me. Just like, oh, we'll just have this round. Yeah, it's uh, Chekhov's. Chekhov's good. Chekhov's yeah, uh, steaming Chekhov's pot of tea. Flask. Um, yeah. Chekhov's thermos. Yeah, because yeah, I think, uh, what's his name? Is it is it Peter Tracy? Who just goes? Oh, hello! The there's man. a flask of tea. Bye, and then that's it. <laughs> um, bit of an odd way of introducing a character, and then yeah, nothing becomes of the tea. But it it is left in shot for continuity purposes for further scenes. But yeah, <laughs> it's just just there. Um, as I said, it's a, it's sort of like an interesting story to to try and launch uh, the spin-off series. And as I said, I think it's you know it's very much at the time. Um, it lends itself to a lot of atmosphere, but it's sort of funny. I mean, going back to the title sequence, uh, this is obviously advertising itself as, as a modern action-adventure series, you know, because we got cars and running in slow motion. But mm. um, but the story itself, I think it's it's got some nice atmosphere, but, but I wouldn't say it's like a, a, a fast-paced action-adventure series, do you? No. And I can kind of see future episodes would have had um, all the same beats and worked in the same formula, mm. like like a mystery, and then it defies your expectations, and then there's a reveal in the final conflict, <laughs> and um, then they would have went on with a similar story the following week, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I think had this gone on to... I mean, we we will never know, and so one can only speculate. But I think had this gone on to a full series, I suspect we were only. I think we would have had one series only. I think. Yeah, maybe. I think because of because of that very reason, and mm. I think now, I mean, as we've seen with the Sarah Jane Adventures, I think it's much more easy to, easier to to pitch a um, a children's action adventure series now because there's something about the you know the atmosphere and where we are culturally you can do many different things and it can be fast paced whereas when this was originally conceived it's uh, much more difficult to do that sort of thing and sort of like what stories do you you know do you pitch to you know the, the audience who would have tuned in for this but then again doctor who has the same issue where what story do you do you present this week and they all have to be quite diverse, don't they? Yeah, but I think with, with something like Doctor Who, I mean, everyone expects that variety. I mean, that sort of thing is like embedded within the uh, the structure of the show. I mean, would we have got a sort of... a, a repeat of the John Perwitt era, but set in the early 80s? Yeah, maybe after the first episode, she would have got more established uh, at a certain home. Um. And maybe they would have had a more grounded formula to it, maybe. I mean, do, do you think there was potential for a full series? Or do you think it's like, right, we have this interesting one-off, and that, but that's all there is? A hundred percent. I think it could have went forward. Um, and I think the the story was quite good. Mm. Um, it, yeah. So... <laughs> Um, it, it defied my like preconceptions, and um, I thought it was a reasonably well well made story. Yes, yeah? so I, I think we could have had more of these. All right, okay. I think what's interesting is actually I'm gonna. This also has a, a peculiar connection. Uh, I'm gonna mention Carol Vorderman. Um, did you ever watch any of her educational videos when you were a kid? Um. I don't know. I don't know if that's, if it's one of those things where you just 
think you've seen it <laughs> or if you have i don't know oh, I, I remember maybe. these my my, my mom actually I'm, i can't remember if she actually bought me some of these or maybe rented them from the library but carol vorderman had these educational videos on the three r's uh and i love how the three, the three r's are reading okay it begins with an r then you have writing okay there's an r in there yeah. and arithmetic um this is what Bob, barbara wright mentions <laughs> as well in um and on the unearthly child. Oh yeah, yeah, the three R's. Um, so Carol Vorderman in the early nineties had uh, had these videos to help uh, kids with the three R's, and I remember watching these, and they're, they're oh, they're probably online somewhere. Someone's bound to have uploaded them. I remember just being one of the most nineties things ever. It had, I always remember the title sequence. They had, it was like. Um, the most nineties things ever. They had Carol Vorderman sort of like doing, uh, sort of like walking around the set or sort of like peering around these blocks of stuff with lots of texts at, and and letters like whizzing around the screen and uh, all these different color filters with music sounding like it had been provided by the Pet Shop Boys, and mm. with with all those audio with all these different audio clips uh, put over it. And I remember the one for it must have been for writing, I think. Um, they actually have the voice of Davros saying, "You will be punished for this," from Genesis of the Daleks. Which oh really? What what like a voice clip? Yeah yeah. <laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna say I'm sure I've come across. Hang on, Rob. Uh, bear with me. So I'm gonna. Yes. Okay. Right here it is. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to hear this. Right. This is it. Okay. Go. When I find myself in times of trouble, no worries, man. Speaking words of wisdom. Godzilla is now in New York City. Let it go. I will experience bliss. Was it in that door to, that to be alive? On the final journey to my death, the nights will not be haunted by me. All communication has been cut off from monster. The best laid plans of the monster. I know that I have the body of a weak and feeble woman. Four legs good, two legs bad. I can get away with blue murder. Here's a special news bulletin. No man is an eye. I wouldn't join any club which would have me as a member. Matt. Day 3, No worries. Dangerous. Tiger, tiger, burning bright. Who would believe my verse and time? In the forest of the earth. filled with your most high desire. In music, this video is all about writing anyway there you go did what? you hear all that i'm lost yeah so this this was the intro for an educational show yeah what's the what <laughs> <laughs> no idea and at this time i had never i'd never seen genesis of the daleks i didn't see it until many many years later so i would be watching this and i'm going that sounds like davros what the hell is this i found it really distracting yeah and and of all the voice clips to use yeah well it's got it's what the hell's going on it is a bit of a whiplash but anyway the reason why i mentioned it in relation to canine and company is it uses it it uses a clip i'm sure it uses a clip from this story in it so they would have uh, so it's an educational video and they would have different sections focusing on different things and then to break up the section and introduce the next one they would have these um sort of like these breaks and there'd always be like some sort of filmed insert. And it had it had a clip from K9 and Company in it. It's this it's the bit where but they edit something in. So it's the bit you know when uh, Brendan is uh, is walking in the garden to pick up a soil sample. Yeah. So he's he's walking down and you have um oh what's his name? George Tracy in the in in the glass house looking at him. You've actually got that shot, and this is used to break up one of the sections in the video. And you know how he he opens up a crumpled piece of paper to to then put the soil sample in. Yeah. Well, what it do it it would it would do that where you see him have his, uh, the paper coming out and then unwrap it, and then they would and then they inserted a new bit in for the purposes of the educational video, where you see you see the um, the piece of paper opening up, and it's got something written about whatever the next section would going to be. Why would you do that? It's it, is that is it's just odd, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, so so what he gets the paper out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. 
which transitions into something else. Yeah, so so actually in Canine Company, you actually see him uh, take the paper out of his pocket and then uh, sort of like he, he, he bends down and then we see him put the soil into the paper and crumples it up. So with the educational video, it, it does that bit where you see him take the, the paper out of his pocket, but then they've, then they've shot in a new bit for the purposes of the video where you see him open the paper and it goes, you know, we were look. What does it say? Like soil inside or something? <laughs> no, it'd be like, it's like, now we're going to be looking at, you know, it would have spelling on because now we're going to be focusing on spelling. Oh. Something like that. That's so weird. Yeah. It's just like, so when I was doing this and I was going, because so when I was watching Canine Company for the purpose of the podcast, I remembered this and I went, hang on, have I gone mad? I'm sure I'm not misremembering all this stuff. So I did, you know, so I went on YouTube to see if I could find it and it is there. And you heard that. And then you heard the introduction when they actually, they used Davros's voice Mm. for reasons in an educational video. That's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this also has a, bizarre link to to carol vorderman wow (laughs) anyway i just thought i'd share that um (laughs) and i'm pleased you're perplexed about it as i am it's absolutely bonkers yeah Yeah, it's nuts yeah so this this one-off um wouldn't be disregarded because canine and sarah jane would return in the five doctors Mm -hmm. Um, which makes this out in genuine, you know, it, it happened. It's it's the C word. Um, it's it's the canon. Yeah. Um. Do you think that? Do you think that was a good thing that it was? Um, the relationship between Sarah Jane and K Nine was kept in Doctor Who because had you not seen K Nine and Company, which a lot of people wouldn't have if it, if it just got buried in time. Um, people would be scratching their heads thinking, why are they together? And and you've got also got to remember, this is K-9 Mark Three. <laughs> yeah. He's never been in Doctor Who before. He's brand new. Um, so the K-9 we get in The Five Doctors onwards um, is, uh, is kind of new to the show. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like what I was saying when I first watched The Five Doctors, I was a bit kind of like, why is K-9 with Sarah? What? I, so it did scratch my head a bit. But um, I suppose at the time, I mean, it was, it was, as I understand it, it was heavily advertised and it had healthy viewing figures. It had over 8 million. So that was quite good. That was good enough for them to actually go, right, we're going to series. But as I said... um because of the change of BBC management, the new people in just went, oh, we're not keen on the idea, shelve it. Um, so that that's <clears> frustrating <throat> when something is um, retroactively acknowledged mm-hmm. as part of the continuity, but it's also like something that never got followed up. It's, it's a bit like, like if you look at class, that ended on a big cliffhanger. Mm. A very big, and... Um, never got followed up and bits of like class are now featured in the Hooniverse intro. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it definitely happened. <laughs> yeah. But it's sort of like you're hiding onto a nothing on you. I mean, it, it was, it was something that they made and um, I don't know. It's, I'm pleased that they actually do that. I mean, I've, I've still never seen a single episode of class. So at some point I will, we'll have to do something about it. Yeah. 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 Um, but I'm actually pleased that they've decided not to ignore it. Um, I mm. think that would be, I think that would be more more of a shame. But I I know what yeah. you mean. I remember. Um, did you ever use Did you ever watch the series Bugs? Uh, no, no, I know you did. Well, I do. I do have a memory of watching the first episode. Um, I saw it was advertised. I thought, right, that's for that's for me. That's the kind of thing I want to watch. Mm. A few minutes in, I was like, "Ma'am, where's all the bugs?" <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right. Like, what you want about? So about computer bugs and things. I was like, oh, okay, this is not for me. <laughs> oh, I loved it. It was what. Well, so yeah, this is some childish fascination, fascination with bugs. Uh, yeah, it was. Well, d- it, it was for some reason that I imagined man-sized praying mantises, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
didn't happen. Oh, I lo- no. So yeah, it was the technological. So it was uh, it was uh, computer bugs and things like that. Yeah, I loved that series. It was one of my all time favorite things, and it went on for four series. But the thing uh, the thing is with that was uh, the first two series was very popular, and then the third series wasn't as. And um, the the makers of the show thought, well, what we'll do is uh, to, to force the hand to bring the show back is we'll have the third series end on a cliffhanger. So that's what they did. And actually, the gamble paid off. Um, it came back for a fourth series. I remember not liking the fourth series as much. It just didn't quite gel. And I remember I sort of like got a bit sort of bored with it. And I think I tuned out. And they tried to do the same thing again. They ended, uh, and I remember tuning in, I think, for the last couple of episodes for it. And the fourth series ends on this massive cliffhanger. But the gamble didn't pay off, and so the show didn't come back, and it's just this it's just this cliffhanger. Well, that's one thing that really bugs me about storytelling. Fortunately, Canine Company and the 1996 TV movie work as a standalone piece. Yeah, they do, actually. Yeah, yeah. But um, when things end on a promise or an unanswered question and it's not followed through um obviously the blame lands with whoever was producing or distributing it Mm -hmm. and didn't commission a follow-up um but my feelings are aimed at the writers like why did you end on such a risk (laughs) like I'm trying to think of some examples. Oh, well, an interesting one. You know the Battlestar Galactica revival? I know of it, yeah, yeah. Right, well, they, they did a prequel show called Caprica. And, oh, okay. Um, it, it only lasted for one season. But um, in the very last... it was It's such a unique thing. In the very last episode, it ends on a cliffhanger. And then... On screen it says, coming soon in season two. And they do a whole montage. They actually filmed a lot of stuff. Bits and pieces from season two, before they even made season two. Um, That's and it, it, But they actually flashed the words on screen, coming, coming in season two or next season. Right. And it never, it never materialized. And, I mean, had they used a different choice of words, like, the th- shape of things to come or something, it wouldn't have um, tainted it as an incomplete bit of fiction. Um, annoyingly enough, they cancelled it only to give a mission a different prequel set a little bit later on in, in time. So it's not like the franchise was over. They just ended it unfinished. Um, Stargate Universe was one of the final Stargate shows um, which ended on a, a cliffhanger. Um, something that was unresolved. Uh, what about films? Fantastic Beasts. That is a five-film prequel series, which has got cancelled after the third film. <laughs> right. Which <laughs> which taints Harry Potter, kind of, um, if it's incomplete. Mm. Uh, oh, let's look at Alien. I love Alien. Mm-hmm. First three films. Um, some of my three favourite films. Um, so, so, which means I have... Um, I kind of owe the whole franchise um, a bit of respect. Like I'll 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 pay attention to the continuity. Um, Ridley Scott returned to make Prometheus, yeah. quite divisive. Mm. Ended on a promise, you know. This character's coming back. Alien Covenant did a bit of an Alien Three and decided to kill off the main character, but still continued the narrative. Yeah. I thought, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well. This is you've done a U-turn and you haven't quite done a, a sequel, but you've you've asked some you've asked some questions which makes us ask questions about the original Alien film, um, and you've also left some plot holes there, and you kind of left it on a cliffhanger. So the the point I'm trying to make is it's curious that fans of these kind of things would think that was bad let's not go in that direction anymore because mm-hmm. a, a lot of people would say let's not do that let's let's go back to the drawing board and make a really good alien film which is kind of the sensible thing to do but that would bug me because it it taints the narrative 
like I would love Ridley Scott to come back and finish off his prequel stuff whether I think it's good or bad just because um it kind of it it it, it leaves a bit of the narrative unfinished mm-hmm. um so so what's your thoughts on things like this where a story's unfinished yet a show continues or or, or, or a, a franchise continues um the uh, there's no sort of like a rule of thumb i mean i think by and large i would agree with you it's it's a little bit annoying and you want to have um stories which are complete narratively or or if it's supposed to end on a mystery you that you, is you, a good you, way you can reinterpret things yeah. yeah you you and you know when that's been a deliberate decision that's been made. I mean, David Lynch, for example, who's one of my favorite directors, he do, you know, he does, he's done this on on several occasions, um, where it maybe hasn't been completely, you know, the, the narrative hasn't been complete, but it's that's been a, a deliberate creative decision, and that shows it has. Whereas, uh, and so there is a sense of completeness because that's what you know, th- that's what the the creative decision was, and that's what's been achieved if on the other hand it is some sort of um cynical manipulation type thing to either force um viewers to be invested um in a certain way or or whatever it uh, that just feels like it's it's just cheap and it uh, no one comes out satisfied does it betray the audience a little bit because you invested in, in a story and ending something on it to be continued without the promise of a continuation. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. But it's it, it's funny because I remember when I f- when I first got into Twin Peaks for uh, for example, um, originally it was just the two TV series, and then we we had a sort of a prequel slash sequel with the, one of the most depressing films ever made. It's fantastic, but it's depressing. But the the TV series that, that series two it ended on this this cliffhanger with um if anyone's familiar with the series they'll know that it ends with uh the good agent dale cooper trapped in the black lodge and his evil doppelganger has escaped (laughs) and we don't know what's going to happen after that and we don't know what's happened to annie and it ends on this sort of cliffhanger but Mm. somehow it worked and i always found that satisfying because somehow that fit the world and the series and the feel of that show as it happens uh not long after that they announced that it was coming back for the return so oh okay great but i always remember that okay it ends on this sort of this cliffhanger and this mystery but somehow it worked so sometimes it can but i think sort of like Mm. nine times out of ten rob i I think i'd probably agree with you that it's yeah it's 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 annoying when when it happens more often than and some some things when it when it when it ends out like that, it's all right. Like, I'm trying to think of other TV shows. I remember Crime Traveler lasted for a season, and we had oh, yes. Slade and Holly Holly Turner, where, where they're finally in the last scene. Yeah, their their um their relationship was starting to progress mm. because I, well, I don't know um how we were meant to take it if it was um there was going to be like a romantic thing going on or not, but when they had this this i can't remember <laughs> they had this time crystal thing mm-hmm. and the story was going to progress from there where would that have went uh, that was interesting but it also works in your imagination you know and um, where would the story have went um there was a tv show by rob grant who'd done red dwarf, red dwarf. yeah yeah he did a show called the strangerers which i i thought was I don't know if I'd find it funny now, but as as a kid, I thought it was hilarious. Literally ended on it to be continued. The the whole narrative of the season was leading towards this this finale, and it just ended. Like it literally, the two characters were going back to the spaceship. This other mystery character w- was presumably one of these aliens, but we didn't quite know. And then he was going to shoot someone, I think. And they were, and then it literally it ended mid scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> and 
Um, and I think that, it, well, it just didn't get followed up. And th those kind of things annoy me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. That meant you see that. Makes is, sense, are we yeah. going off on a weird tangent? Because Canine and Company didn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't. We've ended up just talking about uh, pilots and, and then series which don't quite work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing, anyway, so sort of like dragging this back to Canine and Company, I do like uh, the end scene. And it does. People used to say this all the time, and I think it needs to be brought back. But there's this it's there's this jokey line that um uh because Brendan's been privately educated and Sarah makes this thing that, you know, he was only privately educated by Aunt Lavinia for one reason only, which was for him to know that never believe what you read in the newspapers. Um and it's just yeah, we, we need to bring that back. Never believe what you read in the newspapers because oh, yeah. it's, it's it's all a bunch of bunkum. And Sarah Jane Smith, yeah. who's a journalist, knows what she's talking about when she says that. And then we have this nice yeah. little scene of um uh canine um singing We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And then we go into <laughs> one of the best theme uh, theme tunes ever heard. Do, 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 canine. Um, yeah. I thought it was a good, mysterious, but feel-good story. Mm -hmm. And if you just tuned in, not knowing what to expect, or if you didn't even know it was coming on, I thought it might have been an all right watch. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it kind of succeeded a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I've really got a few criticisms. Yeah, it's 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 enjoyable, and I've watched it, you know, several times over the years. Well, more than that, you know, I've watched it a good number of times over the years. It is enjoyable. It's got some cheesy bits. It's got some really good bits. I I got to say, I do like. I, I think they handle. Um, the, I think that the tension of um, Sarah having to save Brendan before midnight because he's about to be sacrificed and he's clearly drugged and he's about to be oh you know, my killed. God. That, I think that's really, really well, effective. Like one minute to go. Yeah. 30 seconds to go. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I think that's I think that's done really well. And the way that it is shot, the, the whole direction of it, of, of canine coming in to save the day with lasers going off all over the place. I think that's actually oh, really, yeah. I think that's really rather well done. Yeah. Uh, people running away screaming, Sarah uh, doing her judo on people and saving the day. It's, you know, uh, yeah. it's got some uh, some great bits in it as well. So, mm. so Rob, in terms of a rating? Uh, definitely good. Um, and the title sequence is so bad that it's good. <laughs> yeah, it is one of those things that's so bad it somehow comes out the other way. And it's just so bad. <laughs> But you it is so bad. <laughs> oh, it is. But it's magnificent. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, you know, Sarah Jane Smith sitting on a wall in the middle of the countryside reading The Guardian. As you do. You couldn't make that now if you tried. Canine sitting just on a wall. On a wall? What's he doing there? Um, Sarah doing the slowest jog you've ever seen turning dramatically as she stands ne stand next to a car that shot's used several times um, man they must have thought this is going to look so stylish <laughs> sitting at a bus stop with a typewriter drinking a glass of wine while looking wistfully into the distance Yeah, must have this is going to be the pinnacle of really good TV <laughs> edgy cool sophisticated uh it's it's fantastic it, 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 it it's brilliant yeah so i was gonna say that uh it, it, i was gonna rate this average but oh, i can't i think that's too harsh this you can't I, do that can't, this is it's as I said, it's it's got generally good bits in it. Some of it's really atmospheric. I quite like the story. I think the cast are really good. Um, they play it really well. Um, but my God, there are some absolute just the cheesiest moments that you've ever seen on television. Mm -hmm. And for all that, it's magnificent. Yeah, and you got to remember, it was a self-contained. What was it? Forty or fifty-minute story? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In 
in contrast with Doctor Who stories, mm-hmm. uh, they've 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 made a well-rounded short story here. So um, yeah, it's it's not the format that we're used to, and, and uh, they've packed quite a lot in there, and I think it's paced relatively well. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree with that. Yeah, good choice, Liam. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, everyone, uh, hopefully, if you haven't seen K9 in Company, hopefully we've read your appetite. Go out, go forth and watch it for all its magnificence, if not least of all mm. for the title sequence. It has to be seen and heard to be believed. Um, so, yes. Uh, I hope everyone has a great day. Yes. So, if you're listening to this in the morning, Merry Christmas and have a nice day. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're listening to it later, hope you had a great day. So yeah, I think I think that's uh, I think that's it. Um Yeah. There's a there's a there's a special on today, isn't there? Um the church on Ruby Road. Something like that. <sighs> what? Oh, who cares? Uh yeah, no. Uh yes, th- there is that. Uh which we will be reviewing uh quite soon. Um Yeah, we'll we'll be back in the new year. Well, you know what? We're not going anywhere. <laughs> we'll be back next week. But that is the new year. Yes. So in the new year, uh we be, we will be reviewing the the latest um Doctor Who's Christmas special. And uh and then not long after, we will also be reviewing uh Time and the Rani, an absolute classic. And what else is there anything else on the horizon, Rob, that you're what else are we looking at? Oh, oh, um, yeah. I wanted to check out some more Eighth Doctor stuff, so I thought we could go back to the big finish stuff. We've already looked at Storm Warning. I thought we could look at the next one, which is a, a Cyberman story called Sword of Orion. Yes, that's it. Yes, so we'll also be yeah. reviewing that. I'm not sure, had we planned to look at that next week? Or was that not next week? Uh, we need to look at our schedule again. I know it's planned. It's somewhere we, yeah. on the horizon. We we we, we look at that. We were never. Who knows? Do. We'll find out. <laughs> it is as mysterious as the story of Canaan and Company. We know yes. what we're doing. It's a hit all plan, folks. <laughs> I that was convincing, don't you, Rob? Right. Oh, yeah. Um. So yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone, and have a happy New Year. And Rob, bye bye now. Same to you. What? I oh, thank you. You too. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> bye, everyone. Bye. You wish we a merry, no, reject. We wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas and a happy new year.